This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Today on the Indo Daily, it was the revolutionary company that aimed to transform how people worked and potentially lived. The future of work looks different. We're selling an experience. We. We need a name. We. We live. We dream. We work. At the helm, charismatic founder Adam Newman charmed investors and turned WeWork into a global empire. We opened it up, we put seven ads on Craigslist. Within a week, it was 92% full, immediately cash flow positive. And literally within a few weeks, we realized that green is nice and co-working space is nice, but that's not a big business and that's not going to change the world. His company was once valued at $47 billion and had ambitions stretching even to Mars. But within a few short years, WeWork was in freefall. The company was one of the hottest startups in history. Then it plunged from nearly $50 billion in value to basically worthless in just six weeks. The dramatic rise and fall of Adam Newman and his wife Rebecca even inspired a star-studded TV series. Are you a maverick or a muse? A muse. Tell me about your goals. I want to be at Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair is not for muses. Then I want to change my answer. I'm Tabitha Monaghan, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Adrian Weckler, technology editor with the Irish and Sunday Independent, to chart the story of WeWork and what its possible bankruptcy could mean for Ireland. Adrian, WeWork is reportedly filing for bankruptcy this week. Can you tell us a little bit about the background of the company, what kind of company it is? So this has its origins in the tech boom when you had an awful lot of startups who wanted somewhere to work physically outside their own home so they could have meetings and work with each other, but they had nowhere to go. So Adam Newman spotted a gap in the market whereby they would rent or lease floors of buildings and then sublet it out mainly to startups, but increasingly to bigger companies as they went on. And this would become their office. And they would do these short-term lets. So if you're in Dublin, for example, it's a classic problem. If you're a startup and you go to rent an office, many companies that you deal with will want seven-year, 10-year, 15-year leases. And that's an absolute non-starter for most tech startups. So what they were doing uh, was just meeting in like Starbucks cafes and other cafes. You talk to John Collison, Patrick Collison of Stripe, most of their company's early meetings were actually in the local Starbucks. So along comes this guy, Adam Newman. He came over to New York for college after being in the Israeli Navy and started a few businesses, including my favorite example is a baby clothes line with knee pads. 
his landlord was actually showing him another building in Brooklyn when he came up with the idea of sort of subdividing that space, which Miguel McKelvey, his co-founder, who's a trained architect, sort of came up with the plans and then boom, they were away. They started a company called Green Desk, which they sold, and that was the first iteration of WeWork, which they started in 2010. And initially was it quite successful because it offered this unique opportunity for people to have the office space that wasn't available to them. Oh, yeah. In like in Dublin, for example, there are several WeWork uh, locations. Now, for a business like that to get to Ireland, it has to be really successful. So all across North America, all across Europe, this was a really, really successful business in terms of the actual office space that they had. They had millions and millions and millions of square feet of office space. Whether they're making money or not was a, a different matter. What about the culture in the company? Yeah, well, the culture was a really interesting one. Don't forget the period in which WeWork really grew up was in the tweens from sort of 2010 onwards, 2015, 2016 and onwards. That was a time when startups were still quite aggressive. There was a very macho culture in the company. We now know was kind of exemplified uh, this culture. So they were required, for example, to go to employee retreats. And it wasn't just that they were invited to go. They were giving tracking devices so that if they left the retreat, um, executives would know. Um, there was this frat boy culture that was really evident at the time where Adam Newman, who was a very sort of charismatic and is a very charismatic figure, um, encouraged this idea of kind of positive aggression within the company, really go for your your goals. So it was a productive one, but it was a very aggressive one. But also it was that belief in the company that I think they wanted to instill in its employees, which we saw in other mm. companies in the likes of Google, You beca- your identity became part of your employment as well. It was very important that you were an employee of WeWork. It was this almost cult-like. So, you know, we like to say this is for the we generation. It's not limited by age or gender. Anybody that wants to be part of something greater than themselves, that understands that bringing meaning and intention into work and bringing those two things together is a member of the we generation. And the money tends to follow. This is a very common thing in the tech industry. I've spoken to many tech founders here in Ireland as well as uh, in uh, big companies. So you will typically get a you an employee of a company like Stripe will be known as a Stripe. A Google will be a Googler. Even in Meta, they have this thing called MetaMates. Now I've I've kind of asked founders, look, why do you do this? This sounds like a cult. I remember once talking to one of the founders of Intercom. Uh, Owen McCabe about this. And he said, look, I know it sounds a bit like a cult, but you have to understand we're asking these people to come in and work in some cases 11, 12, 13 hours a day. They're away from their families. Yes, the upside is big if the company makes it, but there might be a downside as well. You have to envisage and foster this idea, this identity, this this notion that you're doing it for a larger purpose. And this is why there is this uh, sort of sense of mission. And and we work with absolutely exemplified that. But for that to be successful, you also have to have a person at the top of that company that people look up to who want to work for. And Adam Newman was a very unique individual. Can you tell me a little bit about him, how you would describe him? Eccentric, charismatic, loads of energy, um, ambitious, no holds barred in terms of where he saw his ultimate future. He 
frequently would say that he wanted to become the world's first trillionaire, for example. He also was fairly convinced that at some point he was going to bring WeWork to Mars. Um, not content with that, he had political aspirations. He's quite <clears throat> enmeshed in the Israeli tech uh, ecosystem and he said he wants to become Israel's prime minister. Um, this is a guy who doesn't see any limits to what he can do or what he should be able to do. Um, and that, <clears throat> one of the side businesses that he and his wife wanted to create was a, a school, a bank, um, a sailing uh, company. He, he really thought that WeWork could become the world's service company. And tell me about his wife, Rebecca. She features quite prominently in the TV show from Apple TV, We Crash. Yep. Can you tell me a bit about her and her part in this whole company? She is a first cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, she, in her own right, was quite a uh, powerful and charismatic person. The two of them have uh, six kids together. She's regarded as being an instrumental part in the growth and the success of WeWork. Eight years ago, I met my then girlfriend, today wife, Rebecca, and she said, Adam, you're selling baby clothes. It's not your passion. And she said, you're not good at it. She said, you're not so good at it. You're really, I, we the really clothes wasn't. aren't even good, she told The clothes you. don't fit, she yeah. said. They don't look good. You don't have any kids. What are you doing? She said, find your passion. Uh, Do something that actually changes the world. Bring those two together. I promise you, you'll have the best business you ever imagined. And I followed her ever since. But, you have real but she also is regarded as having gone a little bit power mad at the top. She once fired an engineer because she said after meeting him for a few minutes that she didn't like his energy, according to a 2019 Vanity Fair article. You can't really look at the story of Adam Newman and WeWork without looking at uh, Rebecca Newman. That personality, not necessarily Rebecca's, but Adam's, is that a really important part of trying to get funding? That investors need to believe in the individual as much as they need to believe in the company because it's a startup. Well, for the when when you're first looking for investment, it's a startup. So really, all they have to believe in is is the founder. Absolutely, it's absolutely essential. I mean, we're seeing. And not to make any comparison with Sam Bankman fried of FTX, because they're very different cases and they, they've no relationship with each other in terms of the ultimate outcomes of the companies. But it's the same principle of investing in a founder who impresses you with their ambition and their almost casual disregard for the dangers and the downfalls. In Ireland, we saw that quite a bit as well. Probably the biggest tech story in of the year here is the downfall of Paddy Cosgrave, a CEO of the Web Summit. And that was a similar story. Paddy Cosgrave, for all of his ills, it was his energy and his drive that probably built most of that company and certainly the, um, the connections that the company made and the new uh, cities that it went into. It's an absolutely essential part of building a company. And Adam Newman was very, very good at it. I mean, he managed to get billions out of SoftBank, uh, which is a giant Japanese investment fund. And I'd say they're ruining the day that they met him. I, I like to say he, he taught investors to look at a pigeon and see a swan. And he, he had a real estate company, but was able to, what was very clearly an office space leasing company, but he was able to convince the investment world and some smart names there that it was a disruptive tech company that should be considered like Uber and Airbnb. As you mentioned, if WeWork had an office here and had space here, then it had to have been really successful. So where is the fall there for the company? 
It all started to go south when they tried to take the company public in 2019 and they had to lift the lid on the actual financials and economics of the company, which were very, very different to what they had been guiding. They had been counting all sorts of things. Anyone who was sitting at a desk in any of their offices as this sort of ultra-valuable member who could be monetized in, in multiple ways. When they actually looked at the amount of revenue that they were bringing in and what the company was worth and its exposure to the property market in particular, uh, the the market had a look at it and said, this is not worth nearly uh, as much as uh, these guys, the Newmans, are saying it is. And the IPO had to be uh, called off. Now, that had major uh, repercussions because WeWork needed to float to be able to essentially pay its bills and cover its debts for what it was paying for all these leased properties. When that didn't happen, it couldn't do it. And things started to go really bad from then on. Was the company ever profitable? As far as we know, no. Um, Part of that was because it was a big future looking bet. That's one of the reasons they attracted all the funding. Part of it was because the Newmans kept taking so much money out of the company. I mean, like Adam Newman and his wife have bought all sorts of, you know, uh, uh, giant properties. Um, they have, a, I, th- I think at one point they had a waterfall made in, in, their, in, in New York, in, in Manhattan, and they've hired yachts. They've had a really extravagant lifestyle, and most of that was paid for by the cash that was you know, generated or derived from WeWork that probably should have gone into building the company instead. I think my biggest regret, when an employee joins a company, they join to join a mission. They join to go in a direction, a path that's set by leadership, and in this case was set by me and the executive team. And a lot of them did it for the right reasons. When employees um, choose to go on a mission, and they come with a full heart. And I think most of the employees that were with us were actually there with a full heart. And then suddenly there's a change in direction that they didn't control. And they lose their jobs because of something that they didn't do. So there's serious issues there, but what about external issues for the company? You know, that was 2019 when, when the IPO didn't happen. We were early days coming into COVID then. Like, did that Mm. have any impact on the company? Yeah, COVID had a massive impact. I remember meeting uh, one of the senior officers in the UK from WeWork around just after COVID hit or being on a call with them. And they were facing an existential crisis at the time. Now, I think their investors priced that in and gave them a bit of a buy in in terms of COVID, as bad as it was for them. And WeWork is still going. So it did survive COVID, but it like for an organization that is built on providing office space, mainly in city locations, COVID was an absolute shock to them and they haven't really fully recovered from it. What's funny though is, as you said there, it's it's leasing of office space. But during this podcast and generally in conversation, we, we include the likes of the Collisons or Paddy Cosgrave. Why is this a tech company or why is this spoken about within the context of tech? Because by my calculations, this is more about property. There's two reasons. First of all, because the vast majority of the early interest and the clients of WeWork were actually startups and they were mostly in the tech space. So uh, WeWork was positioned as a new type of company in a tech era. So it, it had that sort of tech 
Um, the same way as the Web Summit is is associated with tech, even though it's really a conference com- conferencing company, if you think about it. The second reason was because it did have and does have a software platform that makes all of this easy to manage. So the term tech company is a very broad one. Media companies like our own sometimes claim to be tech adjacent because we have a website and because we have content platforms. So WeWork is still considered to be a tech company, even though most of its actual transactions itself are in in, in property. Clearly, there was a corporate governance issue within WeWork, but all the same, they were still getting a huge amount of investment. Is there a situation where there was that fear of missing out from investors? They just wanted to be involved in the next big thing. There's always a fear of missing out on the next big thing for investors, but there's also a fear, there's also a thing of doubling down. So it's a very common thing among investors with tech companies that are struggling to pump in another 50 million, 100 million, in SoftBank's case, hundreds of millions into WeWork. And that is not because they're afraid of missing on the next big thing. That's because they don't want it to fail because they've invested so much uh, already. Bankruptcy would also be a big black mark for WeWork's main backer, the giant Japanese investment firm SoftBank. It has ploughed billions into WeWork in a bid to turn things around. I would caution as well, but making too much of a comparison between Theranos and and uh, WeWork, given Theranos is, was clearly a case of fraud. And, and to be fair to WeWork and Adam Newman, they have denied uh, that, that there was any uh, fraud involved. Shares in WeWork fell 32% in extended US trade Tuesday after news of the possible filing was first reported by the Wall Street Journal. The stock is down about 96% this year. But the general principle involved of why they kept getting money even when things were going south was mainly because the existing investors thought that they could chase bad money with good money. Newman didn't last as CEO of WeWork, though. What happened there? Why was he ousted? He was essentially ousted because of the failed IPO. His flush was busted at that point. They... SoftBank in particular started to lose confidence in him. The view they had of the financials was that this is this guy's all talk and uh, we're never going to see we work on Mars. And uh, we don't like the fact that he's hanging out on yachts um, and bringing, have, have, throwing huge parties. And also the era had changed as well, especially after COVID. The tech industry was a very chastened one. We've seen in the last year all of the layoffs. It's not the zeitgeist for um, a larger than life figure who comes in, you know, throws cash around, has massive parties, operates a frat boy culture. So Adam Newman at the moment is the wrong guy to be uh, leading a company that attracts hundreds of millions of dollars. There may be some, the Elon Musks, the um, Andreessen Horowitzes in Silicon Valley who are more tolerant, Peter Thiel, more tolerant of that kind of culture as long as it produces something at the end. But it has to produce something at the end and WeWork isn't doing it. And what about after he exited the company? Has it, what kind of situation is it in now? It's still going. Um, in Dublin, for example, I two weeks ago, I did an interview with the uh, uh, chief legal officer of Coinbase, which is one of the biggest crypto companies. And they, at the moment, host almost their entire operation in Ireland with over 100 people in WeWork. 
like WeWork is still a going concern. If I was starting a, a company tomorrow and I was looking for office space, it would still be quite an attractive option if, if I needed physical space. I think the commercial real estate stresses you're going to see on the heels of WeWork will play out over time and, of course, will be painful for anybody that is associated with WeWork right now, has WeWork in their offices. But at the same time, there are other types of WeWorks that are still getting people into their buildings in large cities Mm -hmm. because rents are still very high. There's a broader question over whether offices will be as important in the future as they have been. But as long as they are, there is a gap in the market for someone like WeWork. I mean, WeWork's not alone. You've got Huckletree and, and, and others uh, in Dublin as well. So it's still going, but it's, you know, the, the bankruptcy thing will uh, will definitely hurt it. And how big did it get in Ireland? I think they had six or seven locations. I might be corrected on that. But the big anchor one that they had was they were going to take over the Senti Old Central Bank on Dame Street. And then COVID hit, um, that building was being renovated, brutalist building, iconic in Dublin, everyone knows it. And that was going to be their signature footprint in Dublin. I think think it'll probably survive. Someone is going to buy um, WeWork uh, out of its current mess, and I think it probably will survive. What do you think the lessons are here in this story? What will be the reputation of the legacy of WeWork? That's a hard one because... If it survives, then we'll be talking about a company, maybe it'll be something like Nokia. So Nokia at one time was this giant big uh, mobile phone company and networking company, and it still is a sizable company. It still makes smartphones, uh, albeit under different ownership. It still has a networking uh, business, but it's not the major force. It, it's it's not the thing that that pervaded the entire industry the way it once did. You could say the same for BlackBerry. Um, We work, like, will it go the way of Bebo and MySpace? Will it be completely dead? I don't think so. I think it'll become one of just, you know, two dozen players, a much smaller profile than it used to have. And I don't think we'll we'll ever see a WeWork on Mars. Adrian Wackler, thank you. Nothing is more important than us. I have a responsibility to think bigger. I'm a golden goose laying golden eggs. You couldn't do this without me. We're going to war! We do this together, we can change everything. I'm Tabitha Monaghan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by D. Reddy, researched by JJ Clark and Dave Hanratty, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from TechCrunch, International Business Times, Bloomberg Television and We Crash on Apple TV. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel.